Hello, I'm Mallory Rubin. And I'm Van Lathan. Check out the Ringerverse podcast from The Ringer for all things superhero movies, nerd culture, and fandom entertainment. We have instant reviews and fun takes on all the latest news and more available now on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com, Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Listeners, welcome. This is Sound Only. I'm Justin Cherry. And I'm Mike Peters. We're your Sound Only co-hosts. Here to record our deepest, darkest thoughts about the Candyman. 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 Wow. Wow. Tempting fate right from the right from the off. All right. Cool. Well, I hope we both live uh, through this episode uh, where we are going to talk about the new uh, Dia da Costa directed reboot, remake. Uh, I mean, sequels? produced by Jordan Peele. Yeah, which came out this past weekend of Candyman. First of all, I said the five Candymans. I want you to know, listeners. I moved to Wisconsin. I'm in Wisconsin right now, and I'm waiting <laughs> on movers. I'm podcasting in, in a closet. I've seen Micah do this countless times in Los Angeles. I'm in a closet. There's no mirrors in here, so I'm good. I'm Gucci. My laptop is sitting on my suitcase. He's in his panic room. Yeah, yeah it's, it's very like, much. I'm you know, in the room. J Lo is he's here got with wires me. hanging over his head. Yeah, it's, it's like <laughs> I'm, I'm out here, Wisconsin, brother. Um, uh, Ralph Waldo, Justin Charity, like Jordan Neil Peters. Um, <laughs> you know, the buried lead is that we're not talking about Donda this week. Couple reasons. One. We talked about Kanye. It's two hours yeah. long, man, and we <laughs> haven't even fully digested it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's one of the things. That's like, it's, oh, I'm sorry, excuse me. That is inaccurate. That is, I'm sorry. It is an hour and 48 minutes. Yeah. Excuse me. Yeah. 27 songs. We need to sip some Amaro, some Fernet, really digest Donda. <laughs> uh, I've been riding around in the Mini Coop processing. I have, like, have a little bit of p- pastis beforehand. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you know, I've been, I've been sliding around in the two-door, you know. Uh, the other thing, right, is, look, man, we gotta deal with a Drake album later this week. Like, we're just gonna talk about Drake and Kanye together. And because we talked about Kanye recently, too, like, we're not doing another mailbag episode. We just did another, we did a mailbag episode the other day. 
But at least when we talk about Kanye, I think Kanye is at this this point in his career now where a lot of people have gone, have split a lot of different ways on the on the guy. And so this is like one where we'll have a straight, you know, deep dive, deepest, darkest thoughts conversation about Donda, you know, the episode after this, this Candyman episode. But yeah, send us actually listener emails. Send us your thoughts about where Kanye is at this point in his career so we can sort of work through the thoughts of our own fan base, our own listener base as we're processing Donda. That's soundonlypod at gmail.com. This week, though, we're going to talk about, I guess, the original Candyman and the new Candyman. I think you kind of, you have to talk about... You have to talk about the original first movie, at least, in yeah, order to talk about this. Yeah, directed by Bernard Rose. Disgusting. Honestly, is the yeah, is the word that I would use for yeah, it? Like it's like putting like distressing. Yeah. Like it's just kind of thinking about so when I was in the movie theater for the new one, right? Um before yeah, for the new one, watching watching the 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 new uh Nia DaCosta directed one. There was a preview for you know the 50th Jason movie that's coming out yeah, in October or something. Mm-hmm. And like at the end of the last one, they burn the house down with Michael Myers inside it. Uh, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis and her two uh, young companions get in the bed of a pickup truck and they speed away for the burning house, finally rid of the, the scourge that is Michael Myers. And then the preview starts with, you know, the fire trucks coming that way. And like, obviously, Michael Myers is not dead. And Michael Myers is just a superhero now or a supervillain. Like, it's the same thing as like Thanos in the first couple minutes of Infinity War just whooping the Holt's ass. Like, <laughs> there's just no, like, just plus a little more blood. It's not like really gross. You really think about, when you think about Candyman, like it really, really drove home the point of like what a hook can do to human flesh and also yeah. what like like the last gaps of of someone who has, you know, had a, a hook, you know, dragged through their trachea would sound like. It's yeah. like very guttural and disgusting. Just gurgling. And I mean, gurgling. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like <laughs> Burgle, burgle. And I was like, you know, I I worry that like, you know, I sound like I'm reveling in it, but yo, it's like the only thing that you, you like you really think about besides, you know, to- bees landing on Tony Todd's face are mm-hmm. like the <laughs> sounds. <laughs> that was good. That was good. You nailed that. You nailed that. Put that in the intro. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, can we sort of, we'll get into both movies. I think up top though, maybe, maybe we just sort of establish like what the conversation is around the, the new Candyman and just sort of what there, there's a discourse around this movie that I don't totally get. I feel like they're, I don't know. Critics don't seem to like this movie or they, there's some consternation about it's, let's say it's politics so much as it has politics and it's I think vague gestures at stuff like Black Lives Matter say in Sandra Bland and in you know Breonna Taylor like I don't know but it's all really like 
to the movie's fault, right? It's kind of, it, it's a lot of gestures. It's stuff that the movie does not feel like it's that. But you and I have talked on this podcast before about something like Lovecraft Country, right? Or them. And the whole, the idea of me just comparing things to Crash constantly. And I feel like a lot of people who were sort of preparing me to go see Candyman made me think I was going to go see one of those movies. <laughs> and I don't <laughs> think this movie is that. I don't One think this movie's movies. <laughs> yeah, this I don't think bad. it makes. I, I don't think it makes overt efforts to be like I, I, you know. The, I think maybe the movie. You know, has moments where it could choose to be a movie like that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You absolutely. know, because there's like, there's a, there's a fair bit of like expositional dialogue about like, you know, redlining and uh, like, you know, <laughs> uh, basically uh, racist housing practices, all this Civic other stuff. Racism, white supremacy. Yeah, it's like it's just. Yeah, that kind of stuff. But I mean, like, it's not like a thing. It's not like a conversation that a group is having. It's like somebody says the whole thing and then someone else starts talking. <laughs> the main character's girlfriend's brother or the art critic that, you know, eventually dies. Um, anyway. Yeah. To, to take that a step further, in fact, I would say that in so much as there's a lot of, let's say, contemporary political language in the movie, I actually feel like in most cases, it's really just used to show you, to, to illustrate that the characters are these bohemian progressives, right? It's not like the movie like, itself mean, is trying to speak through them. It's just yeah, trying to be I mean, like, like, these okay, are the kind of people I, like, that I'm you're dealing with. can see that they're talking about like, Yeah, this is existence for a certain group of people. It's just at certain times, it's hard to believe that people like this exist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Nah, man, you be at them house party. Come on now. You know people be talking like that. <laughs> I, listen, you know what, whether or not you experience them firsthand and, you know, like poke them, <laughs> like, you know, to make sure that they're actually there. Does not has no bearing on whether or not you actually have object permanence towards people like this. It's just like there's no right. way, no way, no way I experience that. Right. Uh, I think the other unstated thing about Candyman, right? So for, first of all, this movie, the new movie, number one movie in the country right now, right? Box office exclusive. You can't stream it. You gotta go to a theater, and. That's notable to me because I was never, I wasn't super into the original Candyman. I, I vaguely remember the first time I saw the original Candyman, like back in the 90s, right? And I've just always just known passively that black people are the only people that give a shit about Candyman. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, is that right? I'm not bugging, am I? Like, I, I mean, like, I think that that's fair. Um, like, because like, how did that yeah, happen? How did we own Candyman? Like, black people, yeah. like whatever. Black because people I mean, be like, doing it's it. like, yeah. white people because be it's like... because because um, black people get justice through ghost stories. That's like it's 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 like uh, it's one of those sorts of things. Immediately after you see like the hook, dra like the hook is dragged across the sc the the screen. 
when the trailer first comes out, like almost a full year ago, people are talking about it's actually about gentrification. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like immediately yeah, afterwards. Yeah. We didn't even get to see how cool Yaya Abdul-Mateed looked in a in a trench coat. Yeah. Before people were just kind of like Yo, buddy with the shield. Yo, I I would commit a felony. Kid Cuddy could never. (laughs) Kid Cuddy could never. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, it's like the original. I mean, no, I mean, like it's literally like I I've hold on because I got to keep Harvard on the jacket for a second. It's like the one that Cameron wore and like the I used to get it in Ohio video. (laughs) You remember that shit? I hate you. Yeah. <laughs> I never met a goddamn that's my <laughs> Oh no. Um yeah, man, like the original movie, it makes enough sense when you get like 30 minutes into the first canon. First of all, I want to say the original canon, man. First 30 minutes makes no goddamn sense. You have the white lady who she's working on a thesis. First of all, this woman's like 30 something. And she keeps talking about her thesis and her husband's an adjunct professor or something. And he gives an undergrad lecture talking about ghost stories. And she's like, you're spoiling my thesis. You weren't supposed to give this lecture. Like, How are you spoiling I thesis? was working literally the... the Just tweeted it the, out. The, the, the prototype of, I did, of, of the... I worked on this for <laughs> however long and he just tweeted it out. <laughs> Beginning of that movie. Um... But yeah, you get this set up, you get this like, you get this white lady who's just obsessed with proving, like she's like researching folklore, right? And we're, you know, all these stories about murderers across history are really just the, you know, she's doing this academic analysis of something that turns out to be realer than she expected, but real in the sense of Candyman is real, right? He's a real hulking, hook-handed horror movie villain. But also real in the sense of, you know, the search for Candyman takes her to Cabrini Green in the 70s, right? Cabrini Green, now demolished, you know, former like sprawling project complex in, you know, Chicago, right? And I I think the original Candyman is weird, right? Because it's not... Candyman has so much vernacular of a horror movie, right? Like, you just look at Candyman, right? He has the hook for the hand. He constantly chanting and bees are flying around and stuff. There's blood all in the movie. It has the vernacular of a horror movie, but it's more of a... I think it's more of a thriller. I would compare... Like, I would compare Candyman to The Net before I would compare it to Jason. You know what I mean? Actually, you're absolutely right. It's not like a slasher thick movie like in the terms of in terms of like body count it's not like you know a horror movie in that sense it does like build it's more it's better like building suspense and like building dread and anticipation but then also like showing you that things are like absent like does a good job of showing once the things do happen yeah, because I feel like you're, you're more supposed to watch Candyman, I think this is true of the original and the new one, and have a sense of being sucked in, right? To it, it's, You're almost watching a Scooby-Doo mystery, right? Because it's definitely not neither movie. And I think it's important to note that this is just as true of the original. Like, the original is not scary. I think we, we could pull a lot of adjectives to describe the first movie, but it's not strictly scary. It's just, it's just this really gross, disconcerting movie 
And then Tony Todd just has this this presence, right, as Candyman. And he keeps doing that that voice, that sort of booming baritone, I'm the whisperer in the classroom. Without these things, I am nothing. Become my victim. You know what I mean? And it's it's delirious and it's fun, right? You're just watching. But again, 90% of the tension in that movie is not... It's not the tension of a horror movie. It's really just you're watching this clueless white lady just loiter around Cabrini Green and all the people in Cabrini Green be like, what are you doing here? <laughs> Get out of here. Like the little boy, like she makes friends with the little boy in the original movie. She's like, ma'am, you, you out of pocket. You need to leave. <laughs> and then she gets ambushed in the bathroom. Like that's where the tension of that first movie comes from. It's just... And again, it's why I think it's more apt to compare it to something like a, a thriller more than a horror movie, right? Is that it's all of the tension comes from, I guess, really low grade, low key social commentary, you know, about like interracial Chicago that the movie's doing it more so than it comes from the body count. Like there is a body count in the original movie. It's just not really the source of the tension and fun of the movie, I would argue. Which, yeah, I don't know. I, I felt like I heard about Candyman for a long time in the 90s before I actually finally watched it. Yeah. And it wasn't a movie that made a huge impression on me. I'm just, like, when did you, I don't know, what do you remember from when you first watched so, it? So, it was definitely more so a thing that went from the, the game, the, 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 the dare at school into watching the movie later on. Because, I mean... People were doing like the, you know, Candyman thing. I think remember, I, I remember that happening in the bathroom at like the, the, the LSU rec center, like when I was at like summer camp. And then there, I mean, like, I mean, we did it at school once or twice, you know, and then eventually like there was like a, a major, there was a major video that I I would always pass like the, the VHS tape, like on the, uh, in the horror section, like at the very front of it and I was never old enough to rent it or watch it or whatever. And then like one day I just kind of picked it up and walked out with it. <laughs> in addition to the Damn. other VHS tapes that I'd rented and watched it clearly back then had a lot of nightmares and regretted it and returned the tape. You really, that shook my kid. Damn, bro. You were shook. Yeah, man. It's good. Radical honesty on sound only, man. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I think that's some, some, we're setting the stage, I guess, a little bit with the original movie. I think we should jump now after the break into talking about the new Candyman. We thought about it, but other people think about it. We'll get into it. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Pondering the Bagel with Tom. Oh, the paradox of the bagel. Tis crunchy yet soft. Tis filling yet has a hole. Tis a vehicle for spreads, but only travels from toaster to plate. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? 
you take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on Cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Okay, here's the thing. I, I like this movie. I, I had a good time with this movie, even though I think this movie, if I sat down with a piece of notebook paper and chronicled its shortcomings, I would have to use both sides of the paper. And yet, I had fun. And I also feel like a lot of the trepidation that people hit me with when they were like, oh, you, you know... I've seen it advance for this or, oh, I saw it. Have you seen it yet? A lot of the trepidation, I, to me at least, was a little overstated. I don't know. What was your sort of immediate experience with this movie? I mean, I I don't... I mean, like, the, the movie was fine. I don't, like, I don't think that it was... Like, I don't think that it, like I said, I, I wasn't, I, I don't, I wasn't affected by like any of the things. Like, I didn't get totally sucked into it. Like, I still was on the surface of it, like looking at things. I was just like, ah, that's a little off or whatever. Um, until like it picks up momentum around, uh, like once you just start, like once you accept that, like, Nobody just notices this disgusting, necrotizing rash growing from his hand all the way <laughs> up his neck. Like, I mean, not even his his girlfriend, nobody he, you know, sees on a daily basis, not the art curation, uh, like the, 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 the head of the, the gallery or anybody the at all. Yeah, the dealer, yeah. He sees, like, it takes his own mother a whole conversation to notice that his half of his face looks like Harvey Dent, you know? It just looks mealy and gross. And you're just kind of like, all right, well, I guess, you know, yeah, sure, whatever. Yeah, okay, that's a suspicion disbelief issue. I take that. Um, I feel like the main sort of twist and approach, right? If Okay, the original Candyman... You had his white lady running around Cabrini Green. And in this movie, you know, it's like you fast forward to present. Cabrini Green has been demolished, redeveloped, or redeveloped around. And instead, the characters in this movie are largely black and they're very bougie. Like they had, I think actually the beginning of the movie is really good at setting the stage of like, oh, these are these are the like bougie blacks and they're white yeah. friends. <laughs> Their white friend who I thought was my man, little Dicky. <laughs> who was the Who was the white dude? 
I thought it was little Dicky. It's yeah, I, I'm sorry for calling. The him way I, I thought it was, like, I was like, I like, need, yo, I thought the same thing. I thought the same thing. I like, I was just like, oh, okay, all right, well, but no, it wasn't. I like, it was, it was. Um, I don't know what his name is. <laughs> Shout out to you. Why we got to be ignorant on a podcast? Get us um, a research department. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I really like the this, this setup, right? It's like, okay, if the original movie is sort of about... Like, they live in, like, high-ceiling departments and... Yeah, they, 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 they have these... I mean, like, they're, they're, they're people... They're artists living in lofts. Artists right. and art collectors living in lofts. Um, and, you know... I like I, I liked how much of the dialogue and the early interactions were spent on the different types of wine that they stocked in the house. Yeah, Moscato uh, was a dessert wine. Um, yeah, and you have our you have our heroic artist Anthony, right, who turns out to have a connection to the main events of the original Candyman. But Anthony is a tortured artiste. He's trying to get his art displayed in gallery, displayed and reviewed. In galleries around Chicago, he's at these ex- exhibitions. He takes his art to the white guy who's like, look, your art, your art is a little washed. You becoming a little stale. When are you going to get us some, some ham-fisted social justice pieces in here that I can sort of speak cluelessly and condescendingly about? They have some conversations about white supremacy, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and then that's when Anthony starts looking into the mythology of Candyman. And he's mostly looking into it, right, as uh, an artistic inspiration, right? He's sort of like, ooh, I don't know a lot about Cabrini Green. Let me go and take some photos. Let me see if I can, you know what I mean? I think there's a one conversation where he's talking to the the art dealer and, and Anthony's from the South Side, right? And the art dealer tells him, look, South Side is played out. I'm not going to lie. We all listen to Chief Keef. That shit is over, right? He's being really condescending. Uh, he's like, well, you know, maybe I could do something about Cabrini Green. And that's where he goes. And he's in these empty project buildings. And then he runs into a creepy man at the laundromat who starts talking in horror Ooh, movie Col- voice. Like Coleman Domingo like, <clears throat> using, Coleman Domingo. using every single one of his face muscles. Like, yes. I, it's, it's, it's crazy like how, how his mouth is moving. Yeah, um, but I mean, like, really, it's more so like his face is just kind of begins to spasm as the as the movie goes on. Because <laughs> I mean, yeah. he seems very you know paternal and sage like in the beginning, uh, telling our hero Anthony about the um about the legend of Candyman, who he knew to be just like a mentally uh, disabled man that just happened to have a hook for a hand and was passing out candy to children. And some white girl, quote unquote, ended up mm-hmm. with a razor in one of her candies and the cops came right. to the, you know, looking around and they beat him to death. Again, I think that's one of the points people cringe at and they go, oh, they're doing this ham-fisted police, you know, racial profiling narrative in the movie. And I would... I would take that point, except for the fact that that turns out to be a crucial red herring in the movie, right? So again, it's like a thing that the movie does deploy, but it deploys it in a way that is kind of 
more useful as kind of exploiting your your own preconceptions of what these characters are about, right? And what this story is going to be about. Um, I don't know. Yeah, Anthony just gets obsessed with the Candyman because he wants to make art that shocks white people at these galleries and makes them famous, right? That's the basic idea. Um, he also leans into... Okay, so here's the thing. The original movie, right? The premise of Candyman, you say his name, you chant his name five times into a mirror. He appears and k- kills you if you do this, right? And maybe he kills somebody who's standing with you in this moment. Um and in the original movie, even though the original movie sets that idea up, it only does so much with the idea of mirrors, right? It's actually pretty restrained with how often it relies on mirrors for, I guess, the main shocking moments of that movie. This mm-hmm. movie, the new movie, does a lot of shit with mirrors. Like, its whole visual grammar is about reflections. Yeah, right? about, like music about video how level. he can yeah. move through, ref- like, the kind of, like, the physics of, like, how he moves around, like, is 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 kind of interesting. Like, it does play with perspective a lot. Um, yeah, it, it almost gets the video game, like, modern video game levels, right, of trying to do cool shit with, like, you know, a constantly teleporting villain, right? Um, yeah, or like, you know, uh, a squad of like, you know, crack troops that have invisibility gear, you know? You gotta... Yeah. And the lights go out, you gotta take everybody down through reflections when you when they throw, you know, smoke bombs or whatever. Yeah, yes. Um... And yeah, I don't know. It's like the 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 main descent of the movie, right, is Anthony becoming increasingly obsessed with the idea of the Candyman, right? Making the exhibit called, what does it say his name? Which is like a mirror which hides a bunch of really manic portraits he's, he's hidden behind the wall at the art gallery. And then he tricks the dealer and his little intern slash girlfriend as sort of like after the event of saying Candyman's name and they, they're basically the first, they're like, aren't they the first body count, I guess, in the movie? And then it's just him increasingly being like, oh, is this my purpose? Is my calling to basically make art of the ability to get people to summon Candyman, right? And he just becomes increasingly like disfigured and is like, he's stung by bees and he has the rash on his face, like you said. Um, yeah, and I don't know. I just I think the just watching Anthony traverse through the movie, that stuff is more impressive than watching the actual uh and and also watching him hallucinate or not hallucinate Candyman sort of as his proxy, right? That's also is to cooler. like watch like cuz uh Yaya also does like a good bit of like physical acting because he actually kind of feels smaller the more he like descends into madness yeah yeah how tall we talk about height a lot in this podcast because yeah he does start the movie feeling like he has a real stature to him like presence and, it does and stature and like yeah. confidence and assured it like it like but then it's just kind of like who am i where am i going blah blah blah, blah. am i a mass murderer actually <laughs> Yeah, you know what? I thought about it the moment, the last moment where he really has that stature is 
when he's talking to the woman in the library, he goes to the library. He's like, look, oh, can I get these recordings from... He's basically getting recordings from the woman who was doing the academic research in the original movie. And he's in this... He, he leaves the library and he's in... He basically is in an elevator filled with mirrors and there's a Candyman sequence. And he sort of... The elevator opens and these kids are oh, just waiting to get in. Oh, he steps out past a group of like teenagers. Yeah, and it's like he picks himself up off the ground, and in that moment, it's such it's like such an impression. Like, to your point about physical acting, right? He, in a single shot, has to go from being this crumpled mass on the floor of the elevator to sort of to standing up and feeling like he has more mass than all of the kids standing around him combined. And then that's the last moment he gets like that in the movie. For the rest of the movie, he's just increasingly decrepit and out of sorts, right? Um, yeah. I think that stuff is brilliant. And I do think it's kind of unfortunate that a lot of the time that stuff is brilliant and it's up in contrast with the actual death scenes, which aren't that great. I don't love yes. that the death scenes involve a lot of invisible <laughs> acting. Yeah, they they involve a lot of invisible acting and also like kind of cheap looking CG. Is it is it is it V? Was it just V? Like yeah. Like that kind of like say take for instance like the bathroom, like the bathroom scene in the high school where the like the 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 four girls died before like they mm -hmm. could you get a sense for what the like shape that of that no, bathroom like that was? Like because I mean like it was so like the the area next to the sink seemed to like grow and shrink and shorten like in the space of like five minutes. You get what I'm saying? Like it was just kind of like spatially no, I, didn't I make a like whole lot of best, sense. But yeah. I, I take your point yeah. about it. I Spati think I just really liked the pocket mirror shot at the end of that. Yeah. That felt the very pocket like mirror shot was cool. Almost honestly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I didn't love the one with the art critic. Right. Because first of all, the art the critic, art critic was, was really cool. So annoying. Yeah. She's like, artists are the one who gentrify neighborhoods. It's not, you know what I mean? It's like not white people. It's artists who gentrify. But her death scene is the worst because it's, it's the, again, Candyman in a shot where he's not shown, right? He's just invisible at that point in the movie. And he bashes her head up against her window of her posh, you know, luxury condo and just drags her face across it until she dies. And it's shot from really far away because it's doing this really clever Chicago sh skyline shot. But you just look at it and you're like, oh, this is not... like If you're going to have a movie that's about people dying on a literal checklist, like, you can't... I'm looking at this in 144p, man. Like, come on. Give me some, <laughs> give me some detail, bro. Um... <laughs> But that's, I think that's back to the original point, right? Of like, it, it, she was really mad hard. blurry and far she away. Mad, but, it's, <laughs> but again, it's the trick with Candyman, right? Is that so much of it is because of just the nature of what Candyman is, the Candyman mythology, it has this horror movie vernacular. And both with the original and with this movie, I had to keep reminding myself that, like, you're not really watching a horror movie. You're watching a thriller, right? You're watching it for the Anthony stuff, you're watching it for the breakdown of the group of friends as they sort of stop believing Anthony and start feeling hostile toward him. You're not really, again, if you want a, a proper horror slasher, scary movie, like Candyman is not scary. And I, 
I still wanted it to be scarier, but I also know it's not really that kind of movie. And it's never been that kind of movie. Um, I don't know. To that point, though, what did you... The, the political stuff that I think people are getting hung up on. Like, am I bugging? Like, what did you think about it? No, I mean, like, it just kind of was... Okay, so there's this. We kind can spell of it out. We can even spell out examples. Like I mean, yeah. like no, I'm just saying, like there's this thing that happens with Peel produced stuff, like mm-hmm. lately, like I think since us, where it feels pointed, yet says nothing. Like, it's, like it's just kind of ultimately levels out to kind of, you know, stuff is bad and things are bullshit. You get what I'm saying? Like, there's the art critic who says uh, that actually, who who tries to like subvert your expectation of how this interaction is going to go by presenting a new perspective. Like, actually, it's the artists who don't have who don't have day jobs and that live in lofts. Uh, you know that these projects used to be on that are the actual parasites or whatever, and then. Like, there's ultimately the movie decides that no, like, actually, she needs to get comeuppance as well because she lives in one of those lofts, too. Like, the scene where Brianna's sitting in the back of the cop car at the end and he's like telling her how, like, the shooting went, you know? Hell, the shooting itself, stuff that just kind of like is sound and fury signifying nothing ultimately yeah i think especially talking about okay so the last 10 minutes of this movie right which is where the police are heavily involved that is definitely the point in the movie where i went okay i take all of your points sound and fury all of this is kind of again the way you put it i guess was was pointed and yet meaningless definitely that is true the last 10 minutes up into that point though I at least felt like I could give the movie credit again of being like, oh, well, this isn't the movie trying to say anything. It's just the movie trying to, again, establish a certain kind of character with a certain kind of young 20-something half-formed, half-assed politics that uh, situate them firmly in the ascendant, middle-class, college-educated bougie, boho, whatever you want to call it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it w- I, I could give the movie the benefit of the doubt of for once, at least, having characters say really like vapid political things because that was part of the characterization rather than because I was listening to a director do a really hacky spiel. But then the last 10 minutes of the movie, for sure. It's just like, okay, this is kind of too on the nose as a fuck the police moment. You know what I mean? Like, fuck the Chicago police department moment. It was, yeah, I don't know that it got really goofy really quick at the end. Yeah. Yeah. It gets, it's just, yes, it got very goofy when it was just kind of like, actually CD CPD is the biggest gang in the city. Like towards the end of the movie. But yeah. Tell the other bears what you saw, says Tony Todd. (laughs) 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 Tell everybody. Um, Tell everyone. Yo, but can I just say the art critic character, right? 
she a complete dick, right? All time dick. Um, but I feel like no of all the critics that are depicted in movies, art critics never skate. If you're an art critic in a movie, you suck ass. You know what I mean? Music <laughs> critics it can go either way. We all know our man, the the food critics from Ratatouille. The few like, forms of criticism that has its own language that you have to be rich enough to access. Like, yeah, there's, just, there's, I mean, yeah, man, they really do. They be, man, they be doing dirty. <laughs> they, they, they be doing y'all dirty yeah. in front of y'all's dads. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, I liked it mostly because I thought, again, I think it's a the way I would put okay, the way I'd put Candyman, the way I would make a qualified recommendation for people is I think it's a much better movie than it is a horror movie. I think it is a much better just movie than it is a horror movie. If you if you really are into horror shit. But again, I just think that's true of the original Candyman. If you're into horror stuff, but have at least seen the original Candyman and kind of know what the tone of the movie is, like the original movie is, Mm -hmm. then I think you already know that like that's horror is not quite it. This isn't meant to be competing with, again, like I think other high body count slasher horror type things. It's just meant to be a weird, I I don't know, like thriller adjacent, but also horror adjacent ghost ghost story. story. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I like. I do like the point. And visually, of, it's good. I do like that point of good. it being yeah. a better movie than it is like a than it is like a horror movie. Um, yeah, because like it is like ghost stories do have a like a whether it is goofy or not, some strange like you know underlying feeling of justice at the end of them. You know, yeah, yeah. Also, wait up at the top. You said you watched this on VHS when you first watched the original. Yeah. Oh, you're not that young then. Shoot, all these age jokes I make on the podcast about you. We still in the same gang. <laughs> yeah, I, like it, it, this is wow. Like, what episode is it? What episode is this? It took you this mm-hmm. long to 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 concede my point. Not even that young. You're not even that young. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I think that's all we got on Candyman this week. No, no listeners that we are stealing ourselves for Kanye, for Drake. <laughs> I really, man, I'm glad we're rolling them into a single episode. Because I actually, to tease this a bit, I, I, like the, I like Donda better than I like The Life of Pablo. I like it better than I like all of the post Pablo stuff. It is I don't a think it's better a great album. Album, like as in in terms of listenability, man. Like yes, than than those other projects. I I came to the realization. We did a Ringer exit survey on the Ringer.com. A bunch of writers gave first impressions. I was writing my blurbs. I was getting, I was getting the hatred out of my veins. Even though I also say, I say some nice things about the album and stuff that I like. But I was just like, yeah, you know what it is? Is like everything until Jesus is King. Basically, even Jesus, and I fucking love Jesus, right? But Jesus until Jesus is King is just Kanye making straight Halloween music. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's 
And I feel like this, I feel like Donda at least is is easy listening, right? It's not all that constant Halloween music that he is just subjecting us to constantly. Uh, and again, I know some people, I know there are a lot of reasons people are burnt out on Kanye. To me, it's not his politics. It's not even his public persona. It's just, it's just, listen, I love Jesus and I didn't need to hear all of the derivative Jesus shit that he spent the past however many years doing after Jesus. Uh, and I think this album is pretty low key and I like it. And it's like a sort of lower tier Radiohead album that you probably forgot existed is what I would compare it to. Um, and then Drake, you know, I don't want to fucking listen to this Drake album. You know what prepared me for how much I don't want to listen to Drake album? You know, the, um, the weekend song on Donda hurricane. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The moment I heard that I was just like, Oh no, this is that season. This is the season of like me having to hear weekend features on albums Ugh. and me wanting to just die, curl up and die. He, yeah, it's just like uh Are we too too against the weekend? I, this is an anti-weekend podcast. Please, if you write in to us at soundonlypod at gmail.com, please do not write in with any Don't pro defend weekend the weekend. I do to not us, please. Hear. please don't. Please, I don't want to hear about House of Balloons. I, I don't want to I don't like it's it's just like, you know, it's I don't want to talk about when it, it, you know, like you thought he was cool last. Or, like, you know, but what about that halftime performance? You're yeah, just I don't know, man. He's popping. All that stuff, keep it, man. Uh, I just, you know, I, I can't think of a single artist who, if your personality, if your whole shtick is I've done cocaine and had sex and that's my entire personality, I don't know, dog. You you need to go back to the drum. Those two things bit. don't even go together that well. You know, like it's just kind of like you you. It's like if you 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 wasted the high or you had bad sex. One of the two, one of those two things happened. Well, damn. Now we now we turn into a life tips pod. Now now I feel about. I'm that. just saying. I'm, 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 a life. Tips oh no, pod. statute of limitations. I don't know. I don't know. Who can say? Um. Listeners, I'm Justin Charity. And I'm Micah Peters. Shouts out to our producer, Stefan Anderson. We'll see y'all next week. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.